It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and all of your various podcast platforms. Joined by John Mita, I am Joe O'Donnell. And it's probably not going to be a positive version of the, or episode of the Brotherly Love Podcast. Johnny Mita, how are you, brother? Joe, I'm not doing well. i got to be perfectly honest with you. Philadelphia sports is going up in flames. Uh, what's even more in flames is my fantasy football start. I'm in over five... <clears throat> I'm currently in five leagues, and guess what my record is after two weeks? One and nine. Pretty damn close. Let's go 0 no for way. 10. Is that even well, possible? I know you were it sure is. I did it. Yep. You couldn't even buy a token win? Couldn't even buy it. Alvin Kamara rowing those hopes and dreams last night. Good old Alvin, Uncle Alvin. Uh, there was a lot of garbage time points, too, because I had them, and I was down like 40. I had him and Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. Emmanuel Sanders decides to drop two passes in the first quarter. They were right to him. That could be for big yardage, but right to him, which is a garbage yep. point per catch there, the PPR league. And I'm like, literally, like three minutes in the game, I'm like, if those two points come back to haunt me, and what do you know? I lost by like 1.8. Yep. Because Kamara oh, got garbage point ten. after garbage point down the stretch, dump, Short. swing past City, baby. 0 for 10. Yep. And you were taking her on the chin, huh? All over the map. I'm the chin guy. Well, Just call me Mr. Chin. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Mina, before we dive into the Brother of Love podcast <laughs> here, we're going to uh, be angry about the Phillies and the Eagles. Uh, sure. We have a new segment that I came up with like an hour ago and didn't give you much time to prepare for called Must See and yeah. uh, Must Read and Must See. All right. We're yeah. We're going to educate our listeners today. Um. But I got to ask you, I saw this on Twitter as, oh, my God, this Phillies team. Like, literally, I'm watching, just so you know, on my phone while we do this podcast. Yeah. On my iPad, the bullpen just gave up another run. Like, all right, I'm going to say that. We're going to go back to those losers. Yeah. Um, saw this on Twitter today. If you could have any announcer sort of broadcast your life for one day, Day in the life of John Mead is is play by play broadcasted by. It's called by who is. Wow. Hmm. What an amazing question. Um. That's a great question. You know, I I'd like to. You want to think about it? Yeah. Let me stew on this for a little bit. I like okay. it. I like it. I mean, you know, the two everyone would be like, ah, Jim Nance. You know. I went Doc Emmerich. But I gave a stick tap to the late great Harry Callis. There you go. There you go. So those were my yeah. Two I would either go Jim Nance, or I also like uh, God. Who's the other guy I like? Uh, Kevin Harlan. Oh, Kevin Harlan's pretty. John Mita getting his bowl of cereal. He grabs the spoon by the handle. He dips the spoon in yeah. softly to the milk. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Harlan's pretty good. That guy describes yeah. everything. You listen to him do radio. I don't think he's that good on TV. Because he's more to me, he's a radio call. Yeah. But listen to him call an NFL game, and it'll be like they're wearing the white jerseys with the gold trim and the blue button on the belt, and their shoelaces are tied tight today. Like he gives you every detail before the snap. Yeah. Drew Brees has a towel hanging out of his pocket. Like he gives you everything. I like. I like. And he's Bra- like the micro machines guy. He talks. So yeah, much. yeah. I like. I like Brad Nestler too. 
Okay. And Brad Nessler might be my guy. How about Dickie V? How about Dickie V giving you uh, nah, nah, play-by-play? Nah, play? nah, 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 burn. Burn with Dick, Dickie V. No way. No way. Wouldn't even let him call my funeral. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, where do you want to start? Either or maybe Bill Walton, you know, bring his yeah. stoner side of things. <laughs> yeah. Where do I want to start? Uh, wherever you'd like, my friend. It's, uh, you know, let's start raging on this football team. On this. All right. Before we begin on the Eagles, who lost uh, 37 to 19, I believe. I didn't look up any stats for this. Yeah. I have a few notes. Yeah. I'm just going to. I'm just going to let it out there. But I want to I want to throw a proposition your way. And this has to be you and I in this together. It is a brotherly love podcast proposition. The first ever. Yeah. If the Eagles lose on Sunday to the Bengals, we do not talk about the Philadelphia Eagles on this podcast until they win a game. Okay. Are you in? I'm, I'm in. However, just to tell the people, give them a forewarning. If they don't win this game. Okay, they might be staring down 0 and 6 down the gun barrel because they got to play the 49ers, the Ravens, and the Steelers. So we might not be on the air if they don't win this weekend, and then we're off the air. We might not be on the air for four, three, four. Well, I, I, I don't. So I don't. Or, I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess. I, I guess. Want to talk about. It. Right. We could do a couple of podcasts. All right, we'll like, do a couple. Next week's yeah. a bye week for sure if they lose because I don't want to go on and talk about anything. Okay. But uh, at some point, we'll talk about the Stanley Cup final and sure. how much we hate the Phillies and okay. All right. you know some national topics. Deal. But I don't want to mention the Eagles. If they lose to the Bengals, okay. we will not mention the Eagles on this podcast until they win a game. That's a deal. I like it. Well, right. well thought out. All right. All right. Uh, to the massacre that was, I somewhat joked but somewhat seriously said they might lose by 50 mm-hmm. uh, on our last podcast when they were getting ready to play the Rams. Early in that game Sunday, it appeared they might lose by 50. Was that a game you were glad that you couldn't go to as a season ticket holder? Um, thank God, because <laughs> I probably would have burned down something in the parking lot and joined the Antifa. <laughs> because that was, to, to be stuck in traffic, I mean, I, I would have tried to convince everybody to leave early so we could make a, a great escape out of the parking lot before everyone got there. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of happy. Um because that I, I would just be so mad. It, it's just, it's just, th- this is not a good football team on any stretch, any of the imaginary level. You could say what you want. The, 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 the biggest problem I see with this football team is they're just, they don't have the talent, period. I mean, they don't have the depth or the talent. And it, it's very depressing. And you sent me an article today on Crossing Broad, and it goes over, you know, a lot of Howie Rosen's drafts over the last, you know, four or five years. And it's frightening. And and that's the problem. And the other thing that I noticed is, like, listen, Carson played like crap. Hands down, played like sh- whatever, okay? Um, th- there's no excuses for him. The reason why he's sailing the ball, and people need to keep close eye to this, is the reason why he sails the ball is because his mechanics are completely off. The way he's not stepping into the football, you can tell by the way he stands on some of his throws. If he's on his back foot, that's why he's airmailing everything. So mechanics are an issue. Again, how can mechanics be an issue right now? You're in the week two. 
I mean, that's something that they should have fixed or retrained, Cramp. I mean, have they been that bad? Is he just reverting back to old ways? And I'm going to be honest with you. The play calling is crap. It's been crap since Tom, um, since Frank Reich left. You know, I didn't think that was going to be that big of a deal. It has turned out it is a major deal. It is a major deal. So there's certain things that need to happen. I think, uh, I think, you know, listen, I think Doug is a good coach because he can motivate guys. Guys won't quit on him. There's certain things that he does well. And then there's other things that he's extremely deficient in. And those things are basically scheming a game plan. Because, like, and, and he's just right now, he doesn't have any answers. He was on a Zoom call press conference, and they asked, hey, Doug, why do you think Carson Wentz is regressing right now. And you know what his answer was? Good question. That's a good question. <laughs> Nobody's trying to hear that that's a good question. You know, basically, he could get into his mechanics, he's freelancing, whatever he's doing. But it just doesn't seem like they're on the same page. And Press Taylor, I don't know how good of a QB coach he is. I mean, maybe John DeFlippo was a great QB coach. But but Press Taylor, this is a, and it's, I just understand how the the man goes from taking you know winning the last four games getting to the playoffs to the miracle of christ with these second team wide receivers second rate wide receivers now he's got some better weapons but they just and it just makes me sick like the call yeah you can blame that interception on carson and you should blame it the ball came out late i get it but where in the game plan does it say that we should target jjaw J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, where do we think that that is a novel concept, a great idea, that he's going to make a tough catch in traffic? He's going to fight for the football. The guy has shown me nothing for years. I'm giving up on him. Gave up on him when we drafted him. Wasn't a fan. It was like, oh, we'll see. Nope, still not a fan. Still a fan of D.K. Metcalf, who they blundered on. And I just... This talent is so bad. It's so bad. And I'll let you I'll let you speak. I mean, I I mean don't when when can I start talking about the defense still? Because <laughs> all right, give me one give me one minute on the offense. All right, yeah. And then you're gonna have the floor back. Sure. Um, um all right, so to the offense for me. Um and this is by the way, it's six three now nationals, and I want to puke. Um <laughs> So, uh, Doug Peterson's been out coached through the first two games. He's been out coached terribly, and that's certainly concerning. The team looks unprepared. Again, they look like they have no confidence, no swagger. They keep saying afterwards they trust their leadership. They're going to get things fixed. They better because, like we said, you don't win Sunday, you might not win until November. Um, you know what has happened to Carson Wentz since the season's first drive? Going right down the field, they get seven points against the Washington football team. And, uh, you know, you and I talked about possible MVP season, the type of year he needed to prove that he was back. Hear me out on a theory. I'm wondering if Carson Wentz is a little phased mentally as I got a flock of geese flying south in the flying V formation above my head. I like it. Ducks of a feather flock together or whatever. They I, got can, I ducks can hear geese. I'm actually watching a flag football practice from my car looking for talent for the Eagles. It's Jake's 10-year-old YMCA team. They got beat like 56 to nothing in their first game Saturday, but 
I think he had some fun. Uh, I'll let you know if there's any uh, keepers here, possible draft picks for Howie Roseman. Uh, but what happened to Carson Wentz we saw in that first drive or that ball to Goddard or like the last six quarters have been atrocious. And, and, I'm, and I'm wondering, this is my theory. You know what happens when a quarterback gets rattled mentally, when he's a little worried about the pocket, when he's a little worried about getting hit or, in this case, getting injured. This guy's been banged up his entire NFL career. Think about the emotional roller coaster this guy's been on, okay? Gets drafted number two overall to a city that is tough, okay? Coming out of a small school. All of a sudden gets thrust into a starter role year one. Plays okay. Future's bright. Next year, on track to be MVP, tears his knee. The city wins its first ever Super Bowl. He watches from the sidelines. Everybody in the city thinks this is great. Him and Nick Foles get along so well. Turns out it was hard on the kid. Comes back next year, is very up and down and injured. Misses again the postseason and the late run to get in. Next year comes back, which is last year. Again, very up and down tears the world apart late with no a bunch of nobodies, but they believe in him, and he carries the team to the playoffs, and like four plays in, he gets concussed. See you later. All this while now signing a mega contract, more than any amount of money you can probably imagine in his possible life, but the pressure now of being the guy for the next decade in, again, a tough town. Every day he wakes up, he's getting trashed. Every day he wakes up, he's not good enough. Every day he wakes up, where's Nick Foles? Week one, the offensive line's in shambles. He's running for his life. He's holding the ball. He looks lost. He gets the snot beat out of him because he's trying to be Brett Favre and make a play every time. Week two, outmatched by a better team. Missed a couple throws. Now you're jittery. You get shellacked. Now, I just don't know where this guy's head's at right now. Okay? I want to believe in him. But I don't know if I do at this point. There's been rumblings for weeks from a large part of the fan base that think he's not good enough. I'm not ready to write this guy off, but it's the NFL. And if you haven't done it for me last Sunday, you haven't done it at all. And I'm just wondering if mentally Carson Wentz is just beleaguered and battered. And maybe it's a change of scenery at some point, a couple of years down the line in his career that helps him out. I don't know. He's still young enough. If he can stay healthy, maybe another franchise is the answer for him two, three years from now. But for now, we're, we're stuck with Carson Wentz. He's tied to the hip for this franchise. And we got to get it figured out. He's got to get it figured out. The inaccuracies with the football are inexcusable. The footwork, the mental mistakes, the jitteriness, the lack of swagger, the lack of making plays. I got, there was a play that I, you know, again, film breakdown, slow motion, you can see a lot. But there was a play, and it might have been the Ortega Whiteside touchdown, where he, he could have just run for eight yards if he wanted to. He had Jason Peters in front of him. And a linebacker about four yards from him, and that was it. Now, Peters wasn't expecting him to run. It looked like Peters was looking for somebody to block. But all he had to do was run around the big man if he wasn't paying attention. And he would have had five to seven yards without breaking a sweat. And you live to play another down. Instead, he tried, he tried a tough throw that didn't have enough zip on, as you put it, to a guy that stinks. And I could not, like, I was so mad after watching that replay. Ortega Whiteside, it looked like to me, I haven't heard anybody break this down nationally, it looked like to me he ran a lazy-ass route because he didn't expect the football. Because he wasn't option number one, he doesn't get targeted, and he stinks. Okay? He 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 broke that, ro- that route off into like a post. If he had come across the goal line, at least he has a chance to break it up. Instead, 
He's lazy, not expecting the football, has no prayer to make a play on that ball. It gets intercepted and the game turns. Like, it's just frustrating beyond belief. A lot of it's falling on this on this kid. Wentz's shoulders, and we need more from him. I don't know where Zach Ertz is. I don't know why receivers can't make more plays. Look, I know the ball placement hasn't been perfect, but Deshaun had a couple of drops. Or I think a white side had a stinking drop. Goddard had a drop. Enough of the drops. Every Sunday, I watch other teams and wide receivers I've never even heard of are making these unbelievable catches. Yeah. I would throw a ball to Greg War- uh, Greg Ward. Like, I would target him 10 times on Sunday. Yeah. He doesn't drop the ball. No, he doesn't drop the ball. But you're right. No, And that's the other thing. Not too many guys are making plays for him. And right. that, and that's and that's the problem. That's concerning. And it, it is concerning. And it's hard to throw it on... You know, some of the youngers, like re- younger players like Rieger and Hyde, because, like, they just haven't had enough practice. They haven't had enough practice, number one, and they haven't had enough game competition with no, you know, with the lack of no preseason. I mean, those guys are playing the majority of the game. So they get up to what NFL speed's like, what it's like to take a crack from somebody when you go across the middle. But it's yeah. just. And you're right. Nobody's making plays. And I just, you know, for, for, for what Doug Peterson needs to do in the offensive play, and, and can, can, can we run the ball on first down, for God's sakes? Dude, I, this is the only other thing I had about the offense. And I wrote down, why chuck it 45 times has never been a recipe for success. When, I mean, just look at this Super Bowl year. Why were we so successful? Because, Every team. It's not just the well, Eagles. Well, well, no, I you know. don't want Drew Brees throwing at 45 well, Exactly. Well, yeah. Brady throwing it If you want to limit times. the mistakes of your quarterback, then run yes. the damn ball. And, and I they were having success running the ball. And I don't understand. Like, they get the pass to the Sean first down. And then they put it right up in the air again when they could have just ran the football on first down. And then they put it in the air again, and that's when Arcega Whiteside didn't make a play. Carson gets picked off. All they had to do was run the football there. You know, keep your defense off the field. They they were able to get a stop. They went three and out. You know, you keep giving them time to chill on the sideline. And we yep. just, just have no – and I think we're also, again, I'm going to get into depth and personnel. Like, this team's missing, like, that bruiser downhill running back. You have Boston Scott. You have Clement. You have Miles Sanders. They need that hammer like J.H.I., LeGarrette Blunt. They need that change of pace, north and south runner that can get you four yards all the time. And they don't have that. And, again, there were people in the draft available. Howie just ignores it. He just they, – they think they're so goddamn smart. They're smarter than everybody in the room. They want to take projects. Like, for example, they, they drafted Devion Taylor in the third round. He was a safety in college, but they're going to, again – Make them a linebacker like they did with the great, oh, that's right, White Snake, Nathan Jerry from Nebraska. How great is he? Like, stop with the projects. Take the short things from the short conferences and the short programs. I'm sick and tired of them trying to, like, you know, this, this is we're going to show everybody how damn smart we are. Take the short yep. thing. And, like, yep. and, and here's the other deal. Like, take the short thing. Like, DeAndre Hopkins, probably my favorite wide receiver in the entire National Football League. Do you think he was worth giving up when Arizona gave up to get him? Because they looked damn pretty good with him back there. And it's like, we just, we don't, we want to hold on to our first round pick. So, like, well, we strike out in the first round nine times out of ten. 
So maybe we just take a proven commodity. And let's talk about the defense and my man, Jim Schwartz. Okay? First of all, the defense, and let's call you out by name, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. No, I'll leave, leave Brandon Graham out of it. He's the one guy that shows up. Uh, he makes a play every week. Uh, he hustles. I'll say that one more time. Makes what? What'd you say? Makes, makes a what? play every week. A play. A play. That's not well, good enough. It's, it's what, better what, than Barnett. It's well, better than Cox. It's better than Malik Jackson. Malik. I'll give Hargrave a pass because yeah. he hadn't played in right. weeks. Well, anyway, the highest paid defensive line in football, they got, yes, Brandon Graham made a play. He had one sack. They didn't right. really have any QB pressures. Nope. So when you're not getting home with your front four, no you, pass rush. you, you got to send somebody. you got to blitz. you got to blitz your safety, blitz your corner. Do something to make the quarterback uneasy. You yes. know what Jim Schwartz came out today and said? At his little presser, I wanted if I if he was on TV and it was a fixable cheap TV that I could punch, I, I would <laughs> I would have put my fist right through it. But he said the problem what happened with Sunday is I came out with a simple game plan. And what I really I know it's going to sound a little crazy and funny, but what I really mean to what I should have done is come out with a more complex game plan. What? What did he just say? He really said that. I had a simple game plan. Oh, you, oh, you had a simple game plan to go against one of the most diverse, like, strategic, offensive young minds in all of football in Sean McVay. But you thought a simple attack was going to get it done against that guy. Well, you don't want to know why? That's because he doesn't trust the guys. I, that's true. He knows they're not smart enough. They haven't had enough reps. They're oh. young. They're inexperienced. Oh. But we like our linebackers. Oh, like the linebackers. Safety. The linebackers. Listen. They touted these guys. Last year it was corners. This year is linebackers. They, they, they touted the guy. They touted their linebacking core as being athletic, and despite being young, they like them more than everybody else. Yeah. Weird. We like the guys in yeah. our room. I read the preseason articles, sure. the offseason articles. Yeah. If they're athletic, use their athleticism. Send them after the quarterback, because putting them in no man's land where they're frozen to death and trying to think is not working. The misdirection, the 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 motions, they were lost. I've never seen an offense move up and down a field like that with zero resistance on, like, six drives in a game before. Like, it was embarrassing. Robert Woods was taking out defense. He's a wide receiver. He was out blocking, like, our entire defense. How many times did you talk about Robert Woods in that broadcast? Wait, a, a ton. And all the misdirection, all the creativity. Like, our defensive ends were crashing down. Dude, they were lost. The entire defensive line. Screenshots yesterday. Screenshots that I saw of three guys wearing Eagles uniforms standing, like, on the other side of the field, not even looking at the direction of where the football actually was. Like, trying to make a play on somebody that didn't even have the ball. I've never seen – it was, like, mind-blowing. It was like they threw the game defensively. It was crazy, dude. Crazy. I'm talking three defenders literally, like, in their own huddle, and the ball's on the other side of the field. Nate Gary coming up, to, you know, biting on a play-action fake when he's supposed to be covering the tight end. Like, it was, it's elementary stuff. It's elementary stuff. I, I it, it, Mind-blowing. And they had a chance to win the game yeah. in the second half. Somehow. Because Cooper Cup fumbled a punt, literally gave them a prayer in that game. And the sa- and the safety play wasn't good. Jail Milson play well. Oh. Ronnie McLeod. I Terrible. mean, we have so Terrible. many spots. Yet 
We wouldn't take a second round pick and draft a quarterback with it. And that that defense was terrible. Oh, they gave up 191 yards. Every time they ran the ball, the Rams seemed to have extra blockers, right? Like usually it's like, oh, we didn't, you know, somebody's unaccounted for, and that's how you get a tackle for a loss. This was the other way around. This was we have more blockers and you have defenders, and we're just gonna gash you. That's That's scheme, that's compete. That's that's having football IQ. And the reason why they're not stopping the run is because their linebackers can't shed blocks, can't get off their blocks, they get swallowed up because they're undersized, and they, they don't pursue the football. And we don't have this up in the box and make the plays. Like, it's – their team is so terrible right now. I mean, terrible. You know, we said a couple of weeks ago what our predictions are – you know, I was like 10 and 6, but if we really get things right, 11 and 5. Right now, to be perfectly honest, we look like a 5 and 11 football team. And I don't know if it's going to get better. And it, we could be 1 and 5. And then at that point, what do you do? Do we then tank for Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson? Is that what we do? And then trade cards? Enough. Enough. <laughs> how about the stinking Cowboys? Oh. Uh, Oh, how about the, the how about the Cowboys? How about the Falcons? I love it how they're waiting on the football like the road. You ever like see people around a campfire? <laughs> they and were they social stick their distancing from that football. It was incredible. I've never seen. Well, listen, when the ball, listen, they called a timeout. Okay, I know we're switching gears here, but they called time. All oh, Philadelphia was watching this game. Let's be honest. Absolutely. They called a timeout before the onside kick. Not the Cowboys. Not the Cowboys, the Falcons, because they want to be ready. What did they talk about? Where they were partying after the game? Somebody should have looked on the field. The TV cameras had a picture. There was no T. Okay, so now we know something funky's coming. Yeah. Right? Like, wake up, look out on the field. Hey, coach, there's no T. Or coach, the players, hey, guys, there's no T. Something funky's coming. Something we haven't seen before. And just go over the fundamentals. I love the fact when the ball was kicked, none of them touched it right away, right? Because that's what the Cowboys, I think, wanted. I didn't think the ball was going to go 10 yards. So I was literally yelling, don't touch it, don't touch it. And they weren't. But then you got to have the mental clock in your head. The ball's now at eight yards, nine yards. Like, it's all happening in real time. But you got to be aware somebody has to be the captain out there. And when that ball gets to eight, nine yards and it's still spinning, it's like the foul ball going up the line. At some point, it's the third baseman or the first baseman. You got to grab it because it might come back into fair territory. Like you got to have that game sense to to fall on that football. Dallas can't touch it till it hits ten yards. But you better believe the second it does, they're going to pounce on it. And they were just so unprepared; it was embarrassing. And they they did, and you could just tell by their special teams coaching. The discipline they had not to touch the ball for 10 yards was pretty impressive. I hate the Cowboys, but you got to give Jim Fossil some credit. He's the new, you know, special. I mean, the fact that they didn't touch it was incredible. Yep, I agree. I agree. And, look, they get off the hook. And now all of a sudden, you know, I saw a lot on Twitter and a lot of texts. Well, you know, everybody's going to be, oh, you don't count the Washington football team. They stink. We all know they're going to win five games. So it's like, you know, Giants are 0-2, Cowboys are 0-2, Eagles are 0-2. You know, six wins is going to win the division. Ha-ha. And now the Cowboys are 1-1. One one. So, you know, you're already a game back. 
All right, well, we got to move on from the Cowgirls. They're one and one, whatever. Sucks. But Eagles, as we've touched on many a times already in the last 30 minutes, they stink. And until they get better, doesn't matter what the rest of the NFC least does. Uh, John Mita, two questions for you before you switch gears. The first is uh, Carson Wentz related. What should his leash be moving into Sunday? Meaning, should the Eagles consider sitting him if he comes out and lays a dud in the first half or into the third quarter? And then what do you think it realistically is as far as his leash goes? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think they're going to play him the entire season. I, I don't know how you just take this guy out. I mean, I think he can be fixed. The guy's talented enough to be fixed. I mean, the only thing, unless um, unless the line folds up in front of him and the guy's just getting killed and you want to preserve him because maybe you're going to try to trade him, then maybe, and then maybe you try to give Jalen Hurts some reps. But other than that, I don't really see you pulling him. I mean, he would have to be horrifically bad for you to, to give him the hook. So, I don't know. I think the leash is pretty long. I just There's no way he can be this bad all season. And maybe we right. maybe we've yeah. been fooled. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's not as good as we thought he was. But I also think there's a lot to blame for that. And I think it, I, I agree. I think it falls on coaching. And if Doug and his offensive henchmen aren't the right guys, then maybe you got to move on from Doug. I'm not saying I don't appreciate the Super Bowl, but I think there was a lot of other moving components and minds behind that, so to speak. Yeah, I hear you. And I, and I guarantee you there's coaches around the football universe that would love the opportunity to work with a talent like Carson Wentz. 100%. Uh, question number two, and this is NFL-related. Yes. John Mita, yep. answer me this. Sure. Should NFL coaches have to wear masks no. on the sideline? We have now seen over a million dollars in fines handed out yeah. by the NFL to coaches and their teams yeah. based on coaches yeah. not wearing their masks properly. Yeah, no. The answer is no. They shouldn't. I think it's ridiculous. First of all, they've done all these tests, and none of these guys are positive. Right. I hear so, you. like, you know, and then they want to find these. They talked about, I mean, it's a little steep to find someone a hundred grand for not wearing a yeah. mask. And the teams get fined a quarter million. And then they get fined. So you're talking $350,000. Right. That's a lot right. of money. And you know the team. You know the team's picking up the coach's bill. Sure. That's just the way that but works. That, also, that happens in the America. You know the, the teams aren't making the money like they were, you know, right? during this yeah. pandemic and Good COVID. Point. So, yeah. you know, to get slapped in the face by Roger Gunkdell, you know, for the mass. Like, and I get, listen, the players on the sidelines, like, they're the only people in the building. The referees, I mean, the mass, I mean, sorry. But, you know, I'm sorry. I'm an anti-masker. I'll come out and say it. I don't. I just because I don't know how much it helps. If somebody right. could give me the scientific evidence that this cuts down on this, and you don't even know if you have the right mask, they're like, well, if it's done N595NYC3PPO, then, um, you know, that's really not an effective mask. And uh, chances of you uh, contracting the virus are very high. Like, okay. But nobody knows anything about anything. And like the great Ruth says from the Ozark, you don't know blank about blank. I wish I could fill those terms in, but well, you can, please. <laughs> no, <laughs> we will be thrown off SoundCloud or 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 Anchor if I, if I put those expletives in there. But 
If you haven't seen that show, check it out. Ruth is such a great character. She just got uh she just got an Emmy, best supporting actress. So really fantastic. Yeah. Happy didn't that watch awesome. it. Well, that's good. Good to but hear. Listen, I, I I hear you. I hear you times a thousand, man. I do. It's not that I'm anti-masker. It's just like you pointed out. The testing has been there. These guys are essentially in their own little bubble for a few days together as a team. I, I don't know what we're doing. I don't I don't know why. The lack of consistency and continuity across the board with this whole thing has been the most frustrating thing for me. State to state, town to town, restaurant to restaurant. Like you just can't seem to get any type of, okay, here's the best course of action. And I just think the NFL right now, uh, you're testing these guys. You have the best medical staffs in the world. If a coach isn't wearing a mask on the sideline calling a play, he's not in anybody's face, you know, for the most part. He's staring at the field. So who is he contaminating if he's not wearing a mask? The The only reason I can see doing this and enforcing it is the optics, right? Yeah. Because there's the message out there politically, government-wise, safety-wise, wear your mask. So you see a guy on the sideline not wearing his mask. Well, I don't need to wear my mask. And a, a spoiler alert. Something I'm going to get to later as we wrap up the episode is about an ESPN article I read about the NHL players in the bubble. And some of the players said that the safety there was almost overkill, not in a bad way, but just like it was safe. It was secure, the testing, everybody's wearing masks to and from the rink. And one of the players said, you know, in some regard, you wear the mask because of optics, you wear the mask because you don't want to be the guy to let this thing blow up. But at the same time, if there's a if there's a kid uh, that sees Austin Matthews not wearing his mask to the rink, does he then think, well, I don't need to wear my mask to the rink? So from that standpoint, educating the youth, the optics of that, I, I do understand it more. But quarter of a million dollar fines for grown men that have been tested day of what? not wearing a mask, I just think it's, again, an example of the NFL just not getting it. The, the other thing is, too, it, it, listen, when you're talking with that damn mask on, it's hard to understand some people. Yeah, you know maybe I mean? that's why the Eagles' offense stinks because Peterson's been wearing his mask. So, like, when you're talking to your assistant coaches after a play happens, or let's change this up, you know, and you're like muttered a little bit, like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's a little overkill. Like, these guys are all been together, they've all traveled together. It's not like it's a foreign person from someone coming from some other place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I agree with you. I, I think it's a joke. I think it's almost just as good as the people driving by themselves that wear them in the car. But that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole nother other discussion, and we'll, we will never get into. But I think it's hilarious, unless they're Uber drivers in training. That is, if they're Uber drivers in training, I can understand the solo man. You got to train for Uber. That's crazy. Well, you got to train. Uh, you got to wait. All right, five five minutes on the Phillies, who have now made it six to five. Ah, uh, so yes, just turned it on. We got you touchdown, me, Tommy yeah, Hunter, your boy, your boy, black belt Tommy. Yeah, you have told me you're done for the most part. You've checked out on this team. Yeah, you know they reeled me in with three in a row against Toronto. Now they've lost three in a row. It pissed me off that Wheeler pitches and Nola pitches, and it looks like there's no life from the team. The Nationals look like the team trying to get in the playoffs. They're in dead freaking last, yet they're playing with more passion and more zip like they want it more. And I know the Phillies have had a lot of games in not that many days because of that COVID thing with the Marlins, and they lost a week of baseball, and so they played doubleheader after doubleheader, and I get it. It's hard. But we're starting to see the lack of depth in the organization. Mickey Moniak stinks. 
Huh. Bringing up guys huh. that never even heard of to play baseball in big spots. But there are no excuses. You're grown-ass men. You're professionals. It's a 60-game season. We talked about the over-under at 31. If they would get the 31, which they can't now, I don't think, they would have been in this thing. It would be already locked up. Like 500 baseball is going to get you in, and they're trying to screw that up. They're a game below, about to go two games below if they don't rally. It's been a grease fire. The only good thing about them missing the playoffs, as we talked about earlier, is that hopefully they fire Clintac. That's about the only damn good thing that could come out of this. Um, on top of that, I'm, I've been at a loss for words. I want them to get in, but at the same time, I'm like, who wants to watch this team in the playoffs? Who? 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 Because I don't even know if I could deal with it. But, you know, there's nothing else on TV right now. Stanley Cup final. Oh, there's, there's Tommy plunking somebody. There you go, Tommy. Right, what do you got for right me on, on the Phillies? On the Phillies. I mean, there, there's a couple reasons why I checked out. Um. I just, like you said, they reel you back in. And this team's dealt with some injuries. Bryce Harper is kind of dealing with the back issue. Rio Muto's been out of the lineup. Now he's back. Your boy, Reese PC Hoskins. It's just, if this team does get in, they're going to be playing the Dodgers or whoever or somebody. They will get lit up, and then that'll be that. I think the reason why I'm checking out and then I'm fine with it is that I can only hope to God, I heard today on somebody's podcast that John Middleton is pissed off that his team is not performing better and everything else. And I, I would just like to see a lot some of heads roll. some heads roll. And it's got to be Clintac and it's got to be Andy McPhail. And, and you got to get this figured out. And then hopefully the new general manager will have um, – just a new relationship to try to re-sign JT Real Muto, who I think is it's imperative that we re-sign him. Clintac, that idiot, came out today and said we made the trade knowing that we would only have two years of control. That might be one of the dumbest statements I've ever heard a general manager make in my entire lifetime because the fact of the matter is this. If you thought you were only going to have this guy for two years in control and you were giving up your number one prospect, in your entire farm system, who happens to be a pitcher, and we don't have that many good pitchers, um, then you're just a clown. And the clown show needs to end. It, this needs to be over. You know, analytic Clintac needs to hit the road. Yeah, give me a baseball guy. I'm tired of this analytics nonsense. Yeah, tired of it. Like, what? You know, you go back to. You know, it comes back to that movie, Moneyball, and the Oakland Athletics. Like, oh, Billy Bean, analytics. That's great. What the hell have they won? You know, they've made a couple <laughs> playoffs. It was a good movie. Great movie, right? But what have they won? How many World Series rings have they hoisted with their analytical approach? Look at the analytical approach in the NBA. Get me the damn talent. I'm so sick and tired of the A word. It should stand for asshole, okay? <laughs> because that's, I like it. Because that's what that's what analytics really means, you know. Get, Johnny made a one last thing for me on the Phillies. Alec Holmes, a player, you're not going to convince me otherwise. So uh, he gives you professional at bats. He uses all. Dude, the guy had 27 field. hits. You if know, he comes out. If he comes out next year and stinks, then I'm just going to throw my hands in the air no. because I've been fooled by the Dom Browns and the Scott Kingeries and yeah, the yeah. Hoskins. No. This guy, if he can't play, then I just don't know what. I don't, no. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> then what we should stop watching the sports, but I agree exactly. with you. And there's exactly. several reasons why. Like, he led the league. Well, he laid all 
led all Major League Baseball, right? 27 hits in the month of September, which is outrageous. He was great. He was and then great. he had a two couple walk-off winners, right? Yep. Where he got yep. down in some counts. Yep. He Listen, was down. I, I trust him more than anybody in the lineup right now in a big spot. <laughs> Dude, I him hear you. I hear you. And another guy they need to re-sign. Yeah. Um, he, he's the reason it's 6-5, by the way. It had a two-run double. Right. Uh, it was two outs. You know, after Harper struck out, like, again, like, and Bryce today with an error in right field. Listen, I've, I've loved the effort. I've loved the passion. But in big moments, he's a, he's a coin flip. Yeah. And I need more than that from a guy making $35 million. I'm with you. Um, all right. Last segment. New segment. New segment alert. All right. Uh, must see. Must read. Right. Must read. Must see. Sorry. All right. We'll go with the quick. Our fans. We'll go with it. Must read. All right. We'll give him a quick must read. And, and this is a book that my father gave me years ago and I think everyone in this country needs to read this book and now that all these kids and everyone's tied to technology show and you can you can give this to your kids but your kids are already good at this so they should be fine but the book is by Dale Carnegie and it's how to win friends and influence people everyone mark that down that's what they should read make the world a better place after you read that book so that's a right. that's a must read. that's my Dale must Carnegie. Read. yeah how to win friends and influence people. Okay. <laughs> That's why I must Give me a must-see. Video, movie, TV well, show, all right, all right. YouTube clip. All right, YouTube clip, must-see. You got to see the vampires, okay? I don't know if you've seen this clip. No. It's vampires. They flip the camera over, so they're actually hanging upside down, but the camera's flipped over, so it looks like they're standing up. And it's basically set to some goth music like they're at a rave. And it's one of the funniest things you will ever say if you want. I'll send it to you off air. It is, you're looking for All a right. good laugh. It's kind of great laugh and it's creepy at the same time. Um, All right. Love so it. That, so Love that, it. that's a good clip. As far as the show goes. I, no, I'm, no, I'm, no. Just one. We're just one. All one right. thing. Must All see, right. must, must read, must see. All right. All right. So there it is. Vampires. There it is. All right. All shoot. right. My must read. I teased it earlier espn.com interview uh column piece whatever greg washinsky and emily kaplan talking to nine anonymous nhl players about life in the bubble and what it was really like from drugs and alcohol to the security to things that they were led to believe were going to be there and weren't there to their families not being allowed to come for a lot of these players in various situations so espn.com Emily Kaplan, Greg Wyshynski, who's formerly known as Puck Daddy, read the anonymous Q&A, essentially, with the nine players from the bubble. It's really good stuff. My must-see is John Gruden celebrating with the Oakland Raiders after their win <laughs> over the New Orleans Saints last night That's... in the locker room. I don't know what his little dance and routine was, I know what but it they is. loved it. And even if you're not a Raiders fan, which I'm not, you got to love when – you know, a football team and their coach have that moment, similar to the Eagles when they were winning games, and Doug Peterson would give that rah-rah speech. Check it out. YouTube it, Twitter, Google, Gruden, no. and the Raiders celebrating last no, night. No, it's pretty good. I saw it this morning when I was walking Jefferson, our third member of our podcast. He's been pretty uh, quiet today. The mascot. The mascot. You know, he's been a little, little laid back. I guess it's his medication's come a little doped up. But – um, it's basically John Gruen. He does a celebration. And I think he comes from the island of American Samoa, which was they took that dance. 
they used to have rugby players on their team, and it's like a tribal dance from the land of American Samoa when they get in a crouch position and they smack their hands. So I think yeah. that's what that's from. But yes, it was classic. It's good stuff. It's the, that, it's the, the camaraderie of sports. It's the fun part you of lo- sports. Exactly. When, you, when you're a fan of that team, when the team's winning, and you see that emotion, you know, fifty guys coming together from all different backgrounds. It's like they're being kids, the right? It's like yes. them being kids again. And and we saw it the the year they went to the bowl, and it's yeah. you know, it's great to see. So good call on that. Listen, you gotta have passion. You got to have fun. You got to have fire when you're playing. Like, you not only want to compete to win, but you got to have the emotion with it. You got to reward players. You got to treat them fairly. And the players got to buy in and give it back to you. And, and sometimes, like, talk about the Phillies last couple of games with the Nationals, the Nationals and the Mets, when the Phillies struggled against both those teams in the last two weeks, they were the dugouts that were celebrating and dancing and having fun. I know they had nothing to lose. But the Phillies are lifeless. Like, where's the leadership? Where's the fire? Who's going to set the tone? And that's what's missing with the Eagles right now, too. And I know it's a generality, you know, across sports. But, like, I I always look for that, man. Who is setting the tone so everybody else knows, I better get on board. You got too many passengers right now in Philadelphia sports. Fuck, you could throw the damn Sixers in that mix. Where's the leadership? Where's the fire? Where's the fun? Where? When JoJo is getting the Wells Fargo Center going crazy, you know what I mean? Like, that's when they're at their best. Yeah. I know there's not fans right now, and I know it's harder for the players to get up for games, but you've got to have leadership, you got to have accountability, and you got to have passion. And it's missing right now from our sports teams, and I look to the vets. The vets got to lead. You got that right. Well said, my friend, as yeah, always. Brother, Godspeed. Brother Love Podcast, sign off. John made a great job. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Thanks, everyone, for listening, everybody. Go, Birds! Birds win so we can talk about them yeah. in the future. 63 nothing Birds. Until next time, Brother Love Podcast. We'll see.